tonight then for our time. Let us return to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And we're really going to concentrate upon the first 12 verses. There are three things that I wish to highlight from these verses for our edification this evening. And the title I'd like to give to the sermon is The All-Round Pastor. The All-Round Pastor. And this is not a reference to his physical frame. This is a reference to him fulfilling the role that has been given to him. And we see it here outlined by the Apostle Paul as he's writing to these relatively new Christians at Thessalonica. You will know that he spent some time there, three Sabbaths in the synagogue, before he was removed by persecution. And he spent some more time in the vicinity, in the area, before he had to speedily leave after persecution was affecting him again. So we don't know how long he was there for, but we know that when he was there, he undertook a great gospel work. And by the grace of God, a church was planted in Thessalonica. And this part of the chapter uh, speaks of Paul the pastor. And you may well wonder, then why does it speak about Paul the pastor? Well, because people were attacking him. People were attacking him. We know that today we live in times when many people are ignorant of the Word of God, of the Bible, of Christianity. Many people really don't know what a, a Christian is. And many people also really don't know what a Christian minister is and what he's supposed to do and how he's supposed to live and how he's supposed to conduct themselves. They are ignorant about these kind of things. Well, the Apostle Paul was taking this opportunity here to defend himself because people were attacking him. And this is something that will happen to any gospel minister. It will happen. It comes with the territory. And obviously we could enlarge it that it will happen to the genuine Christian also. There's no Christian that can really live a Christian life without finding someone is attacking them, their character, what they do, what they say, whatever. They will find an opportunity to somehow try to bring them down. But it's important for us to uh, have this in our memories when we look at this section here. It wasn't really in the church. There were not people in the church criticizing or attacking the Apostle Paul. It was really outsiders. And we can only really glean that from the information that he gives here about his ministry. He gives us some evidence of what kind of ministry he had for that relatively short time with the Philippians. And therefore, the evidence and the explanations he gives us here would determine what was behind the attacks 
from the information that we can glean from here. Now the church came into being by Paul's faithful gospel preaching, obviously under the sovereignty of God. No one's going to deny that. But it came, as far as humanly we are concerned, it came by the faithful preaching of the gospel, the gospel of God. But the Apostle Paul here is telling us and showing us that the church was not only formed by his faithful preaching, but it was nurtured by Paul's faithful pastoring. And that's why we're given the title, The All-Round Pastor. He was a theologian. He was a preacher. He was a church planter. But he was also a pastor. And he cared for those that he preached the gospel to. And you'll find this really comes out in this chapter here. You may well wonder, why did the Apostle Paul even address uh, these people who were attacking him? Well, as I said, he didn't address them personally. The letter was addressed to the church, who largely accepted the Apostle Paul. But why then did he uh, address the matter as he did? Well, there were really two reasons. Because they were seeking to discredit the messenger. And if you discredit the messenger, you will discredit the message. And therefore, it was for a care and a concern for those who had embraced the message that he began to defend himself and to set out the kind of gospel ministry that he engaged in. We know from our time when we looked at 1st and 2nd Corinthians, that the Apostle Paul had difficulties there with the congregation accepting his apostleship. There they didn't really, or some of them didn't really accept his apostleship. There's no evidence whatsoever that the Thessalonians did not accept that he was an apostle. You could just briefly look at chapter 1, verse 1 in the introduction Paul and Silas and Timotheus. He doesn't mention, for instance, Paul the Apostle. He doesn't need to, because they have no problem. They have accepted his authority. And therefore, he is addressing those outside the congregation, those in the community. But it would seem that maybe some in the congregation were being affected by what they were hearing concerning the Apostle Paul, concerning the attacks upon his character. And if you briefly just think about the fact that he was only there for a relatively short period of time, and what happened? He had to run away in the middle of the night. And you can imagine what some of the things that his opponents would be saying about him. Oh, see that great man? See that great preacher? He ran away. He ran away in the middle of the night. He's just a charlatan. He's a cowboy. Who's going to listen to him? Look at this. Here's a young church coming out of idolatry, situated in a place that's surrounded by idolatry. And here he is. He's formed this church. How long he was there for? Six months maybe. Now he's away. He's left them. He's got his money. 
Do we not remind ourselves that when he preached the gospel, does it not say in Acts chapter 17 that some of the people who followed him were prominent women with money? This would be something that would be brought up with his accusers. He's got some money out of this. And maybe there might be some sexual comment made as well. You know, these people were out to get him. So all of this was feeding into the congregation. And it would appear that some of them were hearing some of these things, the attacks on the Apostle Paul, and therefore he thought it would be wise for him to defend himself in order that the message would not be in any sense discredited or downgraded. It wasn't for his own personal well-being. It wasn't to promote the Apostle Paul. He had the heart of the church in his heart. That's what he was concerned about. And ultimately, of course, the glory of God. Well, with that introduction, friends, we want to look at one or two things. And we want to look about what this chapter would tell us about the all-round pastor. First of all, we will put it to you, the all-round pastor is a faithful steward. He's a faithful steward. And that may well sum up verses 1 to 6. A faithful steward. What is a steward? A steward is someone who looks after someone else's property. The Old Testament classic example is, is Joseph. Joseph was a steward. And he looked after his master's business and property and his master didn't care for anything that he had. He left it all to Joseph. And he knew that Joseph would take care of his affairs to his advantage. And therefore he could rely upon Joseph. Joseph would do whatever was necessary in order that the interest of his master was met. That's what he did. And that is basically what the Apostle Paul did. And there's a number of things that we find highlight this in the first six verses of chapter 2. His manner of ministry. For you yourselves, brethren, verse 1, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain. But even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. You know the terrible things that happened to him in Philippi. He was a Roman, beaten openly, put into prison without any trial, something that should not happen. And, there, and afterwards he was released and he went and went on to Thessalonica. Many people after that experience would take some kind of sabbatical, they would maybe sit down. They would reassess their, their ministry. They would wonder, has God really called me to this? Is this what is before me? Here I am being a faithful servant. What's happened to me? I'm thrown into prison. I'm being beaten. And now he's run on, on to Thessalonica, about 100 miles from Philippi. Many people would have just taken a breather. Taken time to ponder things, to meditate upon things. Have I got it right? 
Is this the way it's going to be? But no, not for the Apostle Paul. When he came to Philippi, he was on the job. He was concerned to preach the gospel wherever he went. Why? Because he was a steward. It wasn't his gospel. He had been given this commission, and he was going to fulfill it, come what may. And of course, he had success. He preached the gospel, and God vindicated his ministry. A church was formed. But it wasn't easy, we're told here, with much contention. And that's to impress upon us. It was a struggle and a contest, not so much with himself, but indeed with others who were seeking to persecute him as well and silence him. But no, he was going to continue because he was a steward. And he was going to continue to be faithful to that commission. Now what's true for the Christian minister is also true for the ordinary Christian friends. We have to have this faithfulness. We have to have this determination to stay on the narrow road that leads unto life. We take up the cross. We follow the Lord Jesus in his will, in his providence. Hard and difficult things will come as we. But are we going to turn back? Are we going to throw in the towel? No. We are to be faithful. God has given us the gospel. We have benefited from it ourselves. We know the joy of being reconciled to God through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have in some manner and measure within us that desire to pass that gospel on to others as we have opportunity. We are to be faithful, come what may. We're told here concerning the, the message of his ministry. This is something that many people today are, are ignorant about. Verse 3, For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile. What's he saying? He's saying he preached the authentic Christian gospel. He didn't in any sense seek to embellish it. He didn't seek to try to improve it. He didn't seek to try to make it more presentable. He preached the truth as it is in Jesus. He spoke with love to people concerning their sins and their need to be reconciled to God. It was a true message. It, it came from God. And he didn't seek in any way to put his own stamp upon it. No, he was a steward. It wasn't his word. It was the word of God. The motive of his ministry, we find it here also, nor of uncleanness. Again in verse 3, nor of uncleanness. His motives, and this is something we need to consider ourselves, our motives. His motives were pure. He was seeking to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. He was seeking as far as it would lay with him, to preach the gospel that men and women and boys and girls might be added to the church, to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And ministers need to examine their motives. We preach the gospel. We evangelize. We do what we can. 
Is it in order to fill our congregations? Is it in order to bring glory to our denominations? Is it to bring glory to our own reputation? These are serious things because these motives may not be pure. His were pure, not of uncleanness. He had a single aim and single goal. It was ultimately to glorify God. And this is what should motivate every preacher and every Christian. Yes, we know it's wonderful to preach the gospel and to see people saved. That's true. But we have a higher aim and a higher goal. It is in order to glorify God. And yes, God is glorified in the salvation of sinners. That's true. We must therefore question our motives. Individual Christians must question their motives also. What do we do? Why do we do it? Do we want to build up the little flock here? That's a good motive, but friends, we need to look higher. God will build his church. Christ will build his church. Our motives must be like his, nor of uncleanness. He again reveals the character of his ministry by willing to support himself. He didn't want to be a a financial burden to anyone. Verse 6, Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. Paul was particular about money. He didn't want to get involved in it. He had a right as an apostle to be supported by the congregations. But he didn't impose this. He would rather provide for himself. He was a, a tent maker. And it would seem that when he was there in Thessalonica, that he probably preached the gospel during the day and worked at night in order to finance his ministry. He didn't want to be a burden. That's the kind of ministry he had. Not in guile, nothing underhand, no deception, no relying on the things of this world. He wasn't preaching a gospel that would tell people that there's no cross. He wouldn't just preach a gospel, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and all your problems will be met. No. He would tell them there, there is the cost of discipleship. There is the taking up of the cross. He would tell them that they would need to turn from their sins. They need to have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it wasn't his message 
It was a message that was given to him and he was a steward and he was going to be a faithful steward and he was going to dispense the authentic Christian gospel come what may. And that's the gospel that God blessed. And these people would be attacking him. It's important for us too when we think in this what we're talking about here that at this time in history around the, the Mediterranean, there would be many, many speakers and teachers. And they will go around the various places and they would gather people together and they would have their disciples and the disciples would uh, support these teachers and preachers, these itinerant people. And Paul's attackers were saying that he was just like them. And he was trying to say, well, no, I'm not like them. I'm completely different. My message is not my own message. It's a message that has been given to me. And what's more, I am supporting myself. I'm not like all these other itinerant teachers and preachers and philosophers who are going around abounding all over the place. No, I'm not like them. And he didn't use flattering words. It was plain words. Words that they could understand. Nothing indeed to make the gospel more acceptable to the natural man. He was a steward. Recognizing that he had been given this glorious task of preaching the everlasting gospel. Well, secondly, from these verses, we might notice that he describes himself in some sense as a loving mother to the congregation, as a loving mother. And we find that maybe from verses 7 to 8. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. Here the Apostle Paul is liking himself to a mother. And surely if the emphasis in the first six verses that we previously looked at was an emphasis on faithfulness. Here, using the mother metaphor, it's surely the emphasis is on gentleness. There is no one as gentle as a mother towards her child. No one can really look after a child but the mother. The mother loves that child. From the moment the child is born, there is a bond between the mother and the child. The mother feeds herself, and in turn, she feeds the child. She imparts life and sustenance and substance to the child. That's the kind of ministry that the Apostle Paul had with 
these young Christians. He not only preached the gospel. He wasn't someone who just came along, preached the gospel, shut the Bible and walked away. He was emotionally involved with them. He actually loved them. This is what he wants to impress upon them. He was emotionally attached to them and he had them in, their, in his heart. That's what he was like. He was much more than uh, a cold, uh, logic theologian, as some would have us believe. His, everything was in it. His whole character was in it. He was out and out for the Thessalonians. He was out for their highest good, their highest blessing. He ultimately wanted to see them in glory. That's what he was out for. And you will know that a mother will cuddle, care for, go out of the way for her child, and that mother will protect her child. She will fight for her child. She will do anything to protect her child. This is something that the wisest man in the Old Testament acknowledged, did he not? Remember that time when the two mothers came before Solomon? They both had a child. One died. One was still alive. You know the story. Solomon didn't know whose the child was. Cut the child up. The mother says, no, don't do that. Give it to her. Why? Because the mother loved the child. The other mother couldn't care less about the child. Yes, cut the child up. But the mother whose, whose bowels move for the child, no. This is what's happening here. The Apostle Paul is loving his congregation there in Thessalonica. And he pouring out his heart to them. That's the kind of ministry he had. That's the all-round ministry. It's not a cold presentation of biblical facts, good as that is. No. He is emotionally involved. And he is gentle with them. There will be times when he would have to discipline them or take them aside or highlight something in their lives that was wrong. But if that was the case, it would be done gently. It would be done appropriately. It would be done like a mother would deal with an erring child. Lovingly, graciously. That's the way he was. And that's all part of the gospel ministry. There are times when some people will need a cuddle, spiritually speaking. And what's good for the Christian pastor is also good for the private Christian. There'll be occasions, friends, when you'll have to deal with difficulties. You'll have to be like a mother. 
gentle, protective. Well, thirdly, briefly, the lastly, he also is like a concerned father. Verses 9 to 12, he ends, verse 11, as a father doth his children. He was concerned for them. The mother loved him, loved them. She was gentle, he was gentle towards them, but he also was a father. And by being a father, there are a number of things that these verses highlight. For instance, his work. Verse 9, For ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail, for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. What's he talking about there? Well, he's talking about the fact that as a father, he was supporting them. And that's what a father should do. He's working and the father should support the family. He was supporting the Thessalonian family. We've already highlighted verse 6, but verse 9 is telling us, would not be chargeable unto any of you. He didn't want to be a burden to them. No, he was a father. He was concerned for their well-being. And he wasn't concerned about monetary reward. He was out for something higher. He wanted to see them ultimately in heaven and in glory. Verse 10 talks about his, his walk. Ye are witnesses, and God also, how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. He was, a, he was there talking about his example. Obviously, the Apostle Paul's doctrine was spot on. He was a wonderful theologian. There was no problem with his doctrine. He preached the authentic gospel. But we might also say he walked the authentic gospel. He was able to tell them to look at my life. My life is an example of what a gospel preacher should be. Or we might say, my life is an example of what a Christian should be and how a Christian should live. We maybe haven't noticed it, but this is a theme that runs through more or less all these verses. If you look at verse 1, For you yourselves know our entrance in unto you. Verse 2, As you know at Philippi, verse 5, For neither at any time use we flattering words, as ye know. Verse 9, For ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail, for ye remember. And verse 11, As ye know how we exhorted, and so on. All of these verses are reminding them that they know the conduct of the Apostle Paul and of Silvanus or Silas and Timotheus. Their conduct was clear and evident. All the people had to do was look back at their lives and to see that their preaching 
and their lives and their example were in perfect harmony. And therefore he is like a father. He's showing a good example by his walk. And this is something we have to learn. As a father we have to make sure that we not only talk the talk but walk the walk. And his words, verses 11 and 12, As you know how we exhorted and confirmed and charged every one of you, as a father doth his children, and so on. The Apostle Paul was a preacher, yes. He would preach publicly. How many? We don't know. But he would preach publicly. But he would also take people aside and be able to speak one-to-one to them. To encourage them. Maybe to rebuke them. But he had this gift, this art. Not just of public speaking. But he would be able to draw alongside people. And speak a word in season to that particular individual. An exhortation, an encouragement, a rebuke. He was more than simply a preaching machine. He was one who could speak softly, quietly to all in the congregation. The all-round pastor. Well, friends... He was a faithful steward and he acted like a loving mother and he also was a concerned father. He was a great preacher, obviously, but our greatest example is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was simply following Christ. That is the ultimate pattern for us, our Saviour. Let us walk in His footsteps. May the Lord bless His word to us.